Praise the Lord. so good to be here tonight, be in the house of the Lord, about to be in His presence, letting everything else just fade away. Amen. I'm so thankful to be here tonight. We have, uh, we have a, a few needs that we need to pray for tonight. We need to pray for the the Hagedorns and uh, the Henrys and the Plowmans. We need to pray for them. Lift them up tonight together. And if anyone else has a pressing need, I know Sister Ruth has called needing prayer, so let's remember Sister Ruth Haberlin. My mother needs prayer. She's uh, fighting an ear infection, I believe, still trying to recover from that, so let's lift her up. And any other need? Sister Melody. Okay. What was her name again? Belinda? Belinda Hunt. Belinda Hunt. Let's lift up Belinda Hunt and pray that God would make a way for her Brother Ed. Yes, yes, let's remember Brother Jackson. Um, I know that's uh, that could be a very fearful road to walk, but I believe that he's trusting in the Lord, and that's what we're going to do is trust in the Lord. Amen. And every, everybody in here, we all have needs. We're people. People have needs. There's not a person on this planet that doesn't have a need of some sort. So why don't we just trust and believe that God's going to make a way for these needs that have been presented, and then He's going to make a way for you tonight, for me tonight. God's going to make a way for us. He's going to make a way for His people because that's what He does, is He makes a way for His people. Now, what could we together just lift up our voice with one accord and lift up these needs and thank the Lord for His miracle-working power, God. We believe it tonight. We believe that you're not finished and that you're able. You're able to move in this very moment and produce the miraculous. So we speak it in faith over all these needs. The precious, powerful name of Jesus. We speak it and declare it over every need that has been presented here tonight. We speak over Belinda Hunt, Lord, that you'll make a way that the cancer would dry up that it would be removed in the name of Jesus. We take authority and dominion over every affliction, every, every disease. We come against cancer in the name of Jesus Christ. And we speak it with authority in the name of the Lord Jesus. We pray right now for the Hagedorn family that that illness, that the virus, uh, that whatever it is that has uh, come into their home and caused them all to be ill, we speak health and healing in the name of Jesus. We loose it from off their life and cast it into outer darkness in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, we pray for the Henry family, Lord, that you would move into that home with healing in the name of Jesus. We speak it in faith and believe it 
We pray for brother and sister Plowman tonight that they would feel the surge of encouragement and strength and healing and we speak it in faith in the name of Jesus. Lord, we give you the glory, the honor, and the praise. And we pray tonight, Lord, that you meet every need that is represented in this house. You know where each and every one of us are and the needs that we have in our life. Lord, and you are able. You are able. You are able to move in a powerful way. Oh, almighty God, we call on your wonderful name, Jesus. Let your name be released in this house. Let the power of your name be released in this house. Let the demonstration of your name be released in this house. And now release healing in the name of Jesus over my mother's body. I speak healing into her ear right now in the name of Jesus. That it would dry up. That it would be loose from off her life. I command it in the name of Jesus. And I praise you, Lord. Lord, for the power that you've given us through our fellowship and through our suffering. We're positioned with the authority of your name. And I pray right now and release it in the name of Jesus. Let it be, let it be accomplished to bring you glory. I speak it that the healing virtue of God would begin to flow into every home and bring healing and strength and wholeness and health. I speak it in the name of Jesus. Somebody clap your hands and rejoice and begin to thank the Lord for what he's doing. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness. Thank you, Lord, for your favor. Thank you for your power. Thank you for your faithfulness that we can cast all of our cares upon you. And Lord, tonight, I pray that you would that you would dry up the cancer in my brother's life. Lord, whatever, uh, we don't know that it's cancer, and we're not going to call it cancer. We're going to call it healed in the name of Jesus. We're going to call it delivered in the name of Jesus. We're going to call it free from it in the name of Jesus. Jesus and faith through the name of Jesus as unto your faith let it be done as unto your faith let it be done and we speak it in faith we speak it in faith now with all the things that are going on uh, on the earth in our life in our families in our friends uh, why don't we just worship the Lord like he is about to make a way can we come together on this Wednesday night and not treat it as just a Wednesday night, but treat it as an opportunity for God to release the supernatural power that he possesses. And he's got something for his people. And let's worship him with that understanding tonight. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Was glad when they said unto me, hey, Let us go to the house of the Lord. Oh, I was glad when they said unto me, Oh, let us go to the house of the Lord. I was glad when they said unto me, hey, Let us go to the house of the Lord. I'll find rest for my. I'll 
overcome by your presence, Lord. Let me become more aware of your presence, Lord. Let me become more aware of your goodness, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Overwhelmed by you, God. I want to be overwhelmed by you, Lord. If we just, if we just consider this, how good God has been to us. good he's been to us. I never want to rush off without considering how good he's been. Mm. Genesis chapter 20 and verse 1.
we will read verses 1 through 7. We'll just read the first two verses, and I'll let you all be seated. And we'll continue to read through those. And Abraham journeyed from thence toward the south country and dwelled between Kadesh and Shur, and sojourned in Gerar. And Abraham said of Sarah, his wife, She is my sister. And Abimelech, king of Gerar, sent and took Sarah. But God came to Abimelech in a dream by night and said to him, Behold, thou art but a dead man. For the woman which thou hast taken, for she is a man's wife. Amen. Y'all may be seated. We'll continue reading, picking up at verse 4. But Abimelech had not come near her and said, Lord, wilt thou slay also a righteous nation? In verse 5, said he not unto me, she is my sister, and she even she herself said, He is my brother, and the integrity of my heart and innocency of my hands have I done this. And God said unto him in a dream, Yea, I know that thou didst this in the integrity of thy heart, for I also withheld thee from sinning against me. Therefore suffered I thee not to touch her. In verse 7, Now therefore restore the man his wife, for he is a prophet, and he shall pray for thee, and thou shalt live, and if thou shalt restore her not, Know thou that thou shalt surely die, thou and all that are thine. And for a few moments here this evening, I want to minister from this subject, faith or failure. If we go back up to verses We won't focus on two. We'll combine one and two. But let's look at verse two there, Genesis 20 and two. And Abraham said of Sarah, his wife, she is my sister. Abraham, as we know, was a man who had a relationship with God. The Bible talks of a time when when God met with Abraham and gave him a promise. And we know, because of the scriptures revealed to us, that by faith Abraham moved. Abraham and Sarah were at an exciting time in their life. It was a few chapters before this in chapter 17 that the Lord spoke to them saying, at this set time next year, your son Isaac will be born. The promise that they had been waiting on all those years was now within a year of its arrival. What an exciting time to know that finally the promise has come. We have heard it for ourselves. We are anticipating that moment. We're anticipating that day. They were literally moments away from the arrival of their promise. And out of fear, Abraham says, She is my sister. So Abimelech 
took her. Abraham, what are you going to do now? Your sister just got took. We know better than that, right? But that's what he portrayed. And Abimelech snatched her. The king snatched her away because he let it happen. Because Abraham let it happen. Because Abraham had a better idea, a better plan. Abraham, what are you going to do now? Your life might have been spared, but what about your wife? What about your wife? Was Abraham's response like, ah, she'll be okay. She's in the hands of a strange man. She'll be okay. She's good at telling people to get out. Maybe that's what she'll do. Get out, Abimelech. But you see, this wasn't the first time he sold his wife. Abraham sold his wife, basically. Genesis chapter 12, verses 10 through 15. And there was a famine in the land, and Abram went down into Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was grievous in the land. And it came to pass when he was come near to enter, the, enter into Egypt that he said unto Sarah his wife, Behold now, I know that thou art a fair woman to look upon. Therefore it shall come to pass when the Egyptians shall see thee that they shall say, This is his wife, and they will kill me but they will save thee alive. So I pray thee, thou art my sister, that it may be well with me for thy sake. And my soul shall live because of thee. And it came to pass that when Abram was come into Egypt, the Egyptians beheld the woman that she was very fair. The princes also of Pharaoh saw her and commended her before Pharaoh, and the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house. Could you imagine the second time? Abraham, again. We're going to go through this again. It's my smile. So you are, say this, so you are my sister that I may live because of you. This is the same lie. Let's call it like it is. Let's not sugarcoat it. Let's not call it a fib. Let's not call it this little something, something, or this little thing. Let's call it like it is. It's a lie. He lied. It's the same lie. It's the same thing that we see in chapter 20, verse 2. And that's what we're going to go back to. Abraham has reverted to his old ways. He falls into the same trap he fell into before. Does this sound familiar to anyone? 
I want to just let you know tonight, you might, you might get something out of this, but I'm going to preach to myself for a while. Is that all right? If you just kind of listen at what the Lord is trying to convey. Does it sound familiar? How many times have we repeated the same sins? The same mistakes because in a moment of pressure or temptation, we revert to the old way that we used to handle things. Instead of trusting God, we bail. We go back and use the same faulty methods and our plan shatters like a glass knocked off the counter and we scramble to pick up the pieces ashamed of the mess that we've created. It's quiet in here. Somebody broke some glass today, didn't you? You all know that place of shame very well, don't you? I think most, most humanity knows that place pretty well. We scramble to pick up the pieces, trying to make sense of why this happened. But let me, let me share this with you. Let me lead into the, to the focus of tonight. This is exactly where one of the heroes of faith found himself. Let me ask you this. When you read Hebrews 11, do you consider the broken glass by his own hand or do you see, uh, do you see something else? When you read that chapter, do you go back to the place where Abraham fell? Do you see his failure or do you see his faith? Let me, let me challenge us here tonight. When people look at you and they watch you live your life, are they watching you? Are they watching you fail or are they watching you fail and get back up? At the end of your day, are they going to see someone, are they going to see a person of faith or are they going to see a person of failure? Y'all ain't helping nobody here tonight. It's totally me, isn't it? Let me keep wiping the sweat off of my head. Now let's let's read. Let's go to verses three and four. But God came to Abimelech in a dream by night and said to him, "Behold, thou art but a dead man." For the woman which thou hast taken for, she is a man's wife. But Abimelech had not come near her. He said, Lord, wilt thou, you, wilt thou slay also a righteous nation? God visited Abimelech in a dream. Now think about this. Abimelech was sleeping. What was Abraham doing? Do you think he was out in the shed fixing something, working on something? Or do you think he was still trying to pick up all the broken glass? Crying. You know how they say crying over spilt milk? Do you think he had milk? 
Or do you think it was just broken glass? What do you think it was? He was crying over what he'd done. Out of, and out of his mind, I can picture this moment. I mean, his wife is gone. Out of his mind. Not sure. Maybe he wasn't sure how, how he was going to get his wife back. But let me declare to you tonight, God was already making a way. While Abraham was picking up the pieces, God was making a way. Remember this when you find yourself surrounded by broken glass. When I don't know what to do to fix it, the Lord is already working on it. He's already working it out for me. Why? Because I'm his. There's not enough clapping their hands. Somebody needs to get this. Get a hold of this. When I mess up, when I fall short, and I don't know what to do to fix it, the Lord is already at work fixing it. And his intention is to lead me back to that place uh, where there's broken glass uh, and say, come on, uh, gather it up, uh, pick it up, and get back up. He told Abimelech, behold, thou art but a dead man. The woman you have taken is a man's wife. And we, in verse 4, Abimelech's response here, Lord, will thou slay also a righteous nation? The Lord who had destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah was now warning Abimelech that death was coming because of what he had done and what was about to happen. And, and, the, and, the, and this warning was to keep it from happening. I, I know you destroyed Sodom, but will you also slay a righteous nation also? I am innocent here. I'm innocent. Why? Why do you have wrath? Now listen to what Abimelech said in verse 5. Said he not unto me, she is my sister. And she, even she herself said, he is my brother. So before it was, it was Abraham that did all the lying, and now his wife is lying. Well, we, we can kind of speculate that she lied, but we, we don't know. But we do know now that she was part of this. Maybe, maybe before Abraham didn't really give her much. But... Let's, let's look at this. He said she was his sister. He lied to me, and she lied to me too. And the, he, and the thing here is they both lied. Now let's break that down just for a moment here. John chapter 8, verse 44. You are of your father the devil and the lust of your father ye will do he was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him when he speaketh a lie he speaketh of his own for he is a liar and the father of it jesus gives us the origin of lies when there is no truth, the only thing that's left are lies. 
Lying has an origin. Well, listen, the devil is the father of lies. When he speaketh a lie, he, he speaketh of his own. Why does he want us to self-justify <laughs> when, when people tell a lie? Well, just a little. I'm not out there fornicating and committing adultery. I'm not there stealing and smoking and I'm not out there I'm not out there partying at the bars. It's just a lie. It's just a lie. Listen, let's let's look at how serious lying is. Revelation chapter 21, verse 7 and 8. He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. Verse 8, but the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable murderers, whoremongers, sorcerers, and idolaters, and all liars, all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second of the... I know it's just a lie, but listen, oh, Jesus uh, it revealed it to John that liars are numbered amongst the rest. Oh, liars, if you lie, you die and fry. Because the truth is, we can't break a commandment and live. Do, do you really think that somebody that lives their whole life to themselves and they lie to everyone they meet, that they're in a better place when they pass away? Well, then that, that is contrary to what the, what the Bible says. Because it said all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone. All liars. Abraham was a liar. The ninth commandment covers all forms of lying. And the devil might say, it's just a small white lie because he will always make deception seem harmless. If I tell him the truth, it's better for them if they don't know the truth. Do we love people if we think that way? It's better for them that they don't know the truth. When we know the truth makes people free. Don't sugarcoat it. Tell it like it is. If it's wrong, it's gotta, something has to happen. Something has to be done. Something has to be said. Do not withhold truth. Even if, it, even if it's because you think it's good for them. Now listen, Abraham said, it's better for me if they don't know the truth. It's better for me. It's better for me if they, if they, don't, if they don't know she's my wife. If, she thinks, if they think 
She's my sister. I'll be saved. Let's go back to Genesis 20, verse 6. And God said unto him in a dream, Yea, I know that thou didst this in the integrity of thy heart. For I also withheld thee from sinning against me. Therefore suffered I thee not to touch her. I know that you did this in the innocency of your heart. That's why the warning is coming to you. Now, verse 7. Now, therefore, restore the man his wife, for he is a prophet. He shall pray for thee, and thou shalt live. Restore the man his wife. Give it back to her. Give it back to her. Or give, her give her back to him. Because this is what I want us to see here tonight. When I believe the Lord has put in my heart to share For he is a prophet. He is a prophet. But he's a liar. But we just read that Abraham lied again. And he's telling Abimelech he's a prophet. I don't know if this does something for you, but it does something for me. Abraham had made a mess of of his situation, and that did not change how God viewed him. He said, he is a prophet. I'm not going to measure him by his mistake. I'm going to measure him by what I've called him to be. And let me tell you, that calling is still there. Even after he lies, he's still a prophet. He was a man of faith, but he was a failure at the same time. Can a person fail and still have faith? The Word reveals to us that a man or a woman can fall short and still not be removed from the faith and still not lose their calling. When I end, or when, when I come to an end in my life, will I be known as a failure or will I be known as a man of faith? Am I going to let my failures define me even though God has called me? Hear, hear me tonight. I, I felt this so strong in the Lord. I believe that we wrestle with things and we feel like we miss our windows of opportunity to step out. And we believe sometimes God has forgotten us and left us. Can I remind you here tonight who I used to be? 
Some of you are still looking at the broken glass instead of thinking the Lord is going to fix it. The Lord is going to help me. I'm going to learn from this and I'm going to get back up and walk in victory. The Lord is for me. Listen, Abraham, he was, he was waiting for the promise, and it was, it was at his doorstep, yet he tripped over himself and fell. Now, we know that this was just a time, a season in Abraham's life. Oh, because he got up and he had eyes fixed on a city. Come on, you know what? Failure won't keep a good man down. Failure will say, what did I do? Oh, I got to get back up and try again. I got to get back up and get into the word. I missed the instruction on what to do when I get to this place in my life. Now, Lord, lead me to your word and let me see the error of my ways. Let me get back up. I don't know why this message isn't preached all the time. I think it's a word that needs to be preached over and over and over again because the church has failed to restore. The church has failed to let people be revealed. The church has failed to let people step back into their calling. Listen, if I can go and do what I did and I'm so ashamed and it took me years and years to get over it, to get over the shame that I had. I walked away from the Lord. And you know this, you've heard my testimony, so I won't go into details. But listen, from a, from a young man, I, I felt the call into the ministry. I felt the call. And you know what? The Lord had his hand on me, even when I, even when I wasn't living right. Do you hear me tonight? Do you hear me tonight? Listen, listen. When God calls somebody, it's there. Never to be removed. I don't care if somebody is out in the world living their their worst life now. partying and living it up to their fill. If God called them, that calling is still there. I don't know if you're convinced tonight. I don't know if you're convinced. That, well, pastor won't let me do anything. He won't let me testify. He won't let me give Bible studies. He won't let me pray for people. He won't let me do anything. He says I'm to this and I'm to that. And I can't, uh, I'll never be anything. I'll always be a failure. I'll never, listen, what he's doing is he's overriding God. If God called you, that calling is there, regardless of what the world says, regardless what you say. You cannot reverse the calling. You're called. You got opportunity. There might you might be standing in a sea of shattered glass. The calling is still there. The calling remains. It's never gonna leave. You hear me? 
You can run. You can run as far away from God as you think you can, and the calling is still at the end of where you're running to. Romans chapter 11, verse 28 and 29. As concerning the gospel, they are enemies for your sakes, but as touching the election, who's that? Who's the election? Who's the election? They are beloved for the Father's sake. The election, they're, they're beloved. God loves you. He loves me. I wouldn't be standing here if I didn't know that. For the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. You know, when I came when I came home, I was so broken over the life that I had wasted. Much like the prodigal son who came, he spent all of his inheritance on riotous living. And he came home with his head hanging in shame. Do you hear me? He came home with his head hanging in shame. What was his response to the father? I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy to be a servant. Or I'm not worthy to be a son. I, I, I'll, just, I'll just serve. I'll just, I'll, 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 you don't have to give me my room back. You, I, you probably sold my stuff. I, I don't even need any of that. I, I'll just, I just want to be, I want to be near you. I want to be, I want to be near what I, what I forsook. I want to be near your presence. And you know what? The father did not hesitate. He didn't have to unfold his arms to hug, to hug his son. He ran, he ran to him and he didn't just uh, he didn't just uh, uh, he didn't just glide I believe he sprinted he sprinted to his son and he didn't look at him and say there's a lot of broken glass under your feet he didn't say you failed. You're not worthy. Go get to the servants' quarters. He didn't say, you'll never be anything for God. How many preachers, pastors have stood behind pulpits and, and pronounced judgment over your calling? You'll never be anything. So there I am. I'm standing. I got. I, I'm like. I'm like knee deep in broken glass. I got wounds, scars. I got all these things that I, that I brought onto myself. And here I am, and the Lord is looking at that. Don't look at the mess. Don't look at the glass. Let me hug you. Let me hug you. You've been away from my love. You've been away from my presence. I've been looking for your return. I've been waiting for you. 
Listen to, when I was in the pig pen, he was waiting for my return. I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Listen, when you came back, I know some of you have come back over and over again. But listen, it's it's just like it was the first time. I'm waiting for his return. He's coming back. He's going to come to himself. And when he does, I'm running to him. He ran to him, embraced him, kissed him. And he didn't say, go to the servants' quarters. He restored him everything he left behind. Everything he left behind, he came back and got it back. Because the gifts and the calling of God are without repentance. They're without repentance. And so I remember I was at a, I was at an all night prayer meeting, and one of my one of my brothers in the Lord, my friend uh, Monty Donovan, we were talking, and uh, he he said this to me. He felt led to tell me the gifts and the calling of God are without repentance. And you know what that did for me? That gave me hope. That gave me hope. So why are you saying this to me tonight? Why, are you, why am I saying this to you tonight? So that you might have hope that God is not finished. That you might have hope that you haven't missed your opportunity. That there is still hope for you to be restored to what God has called you to do. What God has called you to be. Now listen. Is your faith in your failure or is your faith in his covering? Is your faith in your failure or is it in, is it in knowing that he has called and that calling will never go away? To be a man or a woman of faith, a person, a person must accept that they're going to fail. And that does not mean that God is going to remove what he has called you to be. I don't care what anybody has told you up to this point. If you have failed, you have not missed your opportunity. Let's stand. How many times have, have I lied? Or how many times have I cheated? Or how many times have I stolen? How many times have I done this and I've done that? And I thought, you know what? I'm probably not fit for the kingdom. God probably took my, he probably took, he probably took my calling. He probably took my, my gifts. He probably took my talent. He probably took it all away from me because I, I am nothing. You know what that is? That's having faith in your failure. over his favor.
Maybe I'm the only one that has struggled with this through the years. Can I tell you, there are days, even much like today, I feel like I fail as a pastor. I feel like I fail as an employee. I feel like I fail as a husband, as a father. But it, it, are my children, are they going to see a failure at the end of my day? Or are they going to see a man who said, I've got enough faith in the very God who has called me. He's going he's gonna to turn me into what he wants me to be. I'm gonna be a, if I'm going to be a good father, it's because I'm not going to have more faith in my failure than I'm going to have faith in him. My faith is in his covering. And as long as I get back up, as long as I stand back up, as long as I go back to square one and I say, Lord, forgive me for my sin. Forgive me for my failure. Listen, let me tell you, the calling is still there. Through the years, you know, you know what people have said? You'll never preach again. Organizations will even pull the fellowship card. But if a man shows true repentance, will he get it back? Would it be wrong for us to do that? Regardless of what he did, he or she did. Listen to me. Would it be wrong for us to restore him? If we don't, would we not be trumping God? Right? I'm saying, no, God, you can't restore them. Look at what they did. Look at all the glass that's piled up around them. They made messes wherever they went. We don't want that coming here. He's a prophet. But he lied. He lied. But he's a prophet. Sometimes I, I feel like we have more faith and condemnation than we do mercy. I don't care what you did. If God has called you, it's still there. And you know what I want to be? I want to be a voice that's, that's in line with God, God's Word, and I want to help you get there. I, I want to, I just want to, I want to call somebody. I want to call somebody. I don't know who it is. You got a calling on your life. Maybe you feel like you've missed it. Maybe you feel like you've missed your opportunity. Listen, tonight is a night for you to walk away with hope that there's still there's still time. There's still an open door. There's still a calling there. Is there anybody that feels this way? Is there anybody that just wants to get a hold of this word in the toughest times that they face? and go back and say, Lord, you still called me and I still believe you'll take me there. Listen, when you, when you try to get back up, you're going to need something. You know what I've hold on, held on to? Through the years, I've held on to, to my pastor who said, you're going to be a pastor. 
He said, a door is going to be opening for you. Be looking for the door. And you know what? I'm going to hold on to that all of my days. Because when, when I can't see the calling, i got to have something that says I'm called. That's why I have to make my election and calling sure. i gotta, I got to fight everything that wants to strip it from me and make me feel less than. Anybody feel less than? It's your moment. It's your moment. Can we just magnify the Lord? Praise Him for His Word, for His faithfulness. Will head to your way. 
say that he wouldn't be king anymore. David wasn't removed from what God had anointed him to be because he fell. Judas fell, and Peter fell. They both fell, but only one got back up. Peter didn't lose the keys when he was rebuked. He didn't lose his calling because he tried to keep Jesus from his. I think we need to be more forgiving to others and to ourselves. God has called us. Amen. And I believe that God is going to take us. He's going to take us through. I love and appreciate this church and all the, all the times that God deals with us to help us, to bring strength and hope, encouragement, instruction, correction. I want him to correct the way I perceive things that are not the way he sees them. I, I grew up, I, I have struggled with this through the years, of not, not wanting to restore people. Well, they messed up. They missed their. They missed it. They walked away. You know. Then I have to. Then I have to look at myself and think, "Wow, I did too." But that's just the way that I was taught, and many of you have been taught that. That when you mess up, that's it. That's it. You'll never be anything for God. You'll never get there. I, I, I want to live my life with that hope that 
they're without repentance. Amen. If God has called you, it's there. You haven't missed it. You just have to you have to be persuaded. You have to be persuaded that it's still there. All right. This Friday, Holy Ghost Crusade for our children. So it's going to be amazing. It's going to be a great time. And uh, I believe God's going to touch our children. I, I want our children to get a refreshing. I want them, I want them to be uh, just, I want them to get the Holy Ghost all over again. And I don't even care if they get it 14 times. Amen. I'm excited. There are going to be some fire. God bless you all. You are dismissed in Jesus' name.